Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler-age boys. And here on our podcast, we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z and absolutely everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and that is what we dive into on each and every episode. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Hello, Emma. I know. You have that lovely, deep, raspy voice this evening. I know. It's like this, I got this like really kind of like sexy, what do they call it? Sexy twang. Yeah, you And it's, I like to call it the Montessori school twang. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds way better than the daycare funk. So. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh my gosh. It's like the tiniest little cold ever. Like all Emerson has is just like a little baby runny nose. And yet mama ends up the one who sounds very plugged up. But I feel fine, just uh, stuffy. So there you go. Could be worse, I guess. But, you know, heaven forbid we we make it a couple of weeks without our kids being sick in school. Or crying. Or crying. Actually, my my kiddo did not cry today. That's a miracle. Yeah, girl. And you were supportive. The first time. But you were helping me because, like, last week we had, was it last week or the week before, we had a couple, like, rough moments and you were reminding me it's all good. He'll get through it. He'll get better. and, And now little... Little Mr. Owen is, is starting to cruise on in. I know. It only took six weeks of going twice a week. So it took a minute. That's why I was like, yeah, I've kind of become somewhat immune to the crying. And yeah, the crying didn't bother me. It bothered me when he was having bad days. But, you know, mm, I mean, yeah. it's still not fun to drop your kid off and have them screaming bloody murder and reaching for you. But today he I asked him if he wanted to walk up to school. And he was like, yeah. And so he held my hand like a big boy and walked all the way up. And it's so, so funny. Being a, being a parent is so like, it makes you nuts. So part of me was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy he didn't cry and that he was excited to go to school. And the other part of me was like, he doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> no, he, doesn't he doesn't need me. me. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. My husband was like, did you get a little upset that he didn't cry? I was like, maybe. That's so funny. So, mine mine uh, would ask the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's so funny. But, it's yeah, true. He's getting so big, but I'm glad both of our boys are adjusting and we're adjusting. And so that's been, yeah, a nice change in our worlds. Yeah, I would say for both of us, because we're kind of hitting a groove. Yeah, it's been, it's honestly been going well. Emerson goes two days a week, but starting in mid-November, we're going to bump that up to three. So it's just, um, well, the total hours end up still just being nine hours a week. So just three, three hours a time. So just uh, three days of that. But it still is nice. It's nice to know that he's in an environment that, you know, he's quote unquote learning. I mean, as, as much yeah. learning happens at 20 months old, but he does bring pictures home and we put them on the fridge and he's so proud of them. Like, well, girl, you've seen so my proud. child's Picasso work. I mean, I have baby I have. genius. I know. I'm obviously. like surprised you guys aren't doing an art show, you know, over oh, in, we're working in on Europe. it by the okay. end of this okay. little quarter. We are definitely okay. putting on a, an art show, have a whole <laughs> gallery and, you know, charge people to come look at it. Definitely. Right, make sure that you give out, maybe he can design masks as well. You could Ooh, be a little He can avant-garde. now say mask though. Really? That's mm-hmm. so cute. It's yes. like cute, but also sad. You it know? it like, makes me a little sad. Today when I was getting ready to take him into school and I had to put on my mask, he goes, mask? mask oh <laughs> i know so or like how i feel like emerson can now fully read my expression just from my eyes like if he's yep. looking to like for me to approve of something or to laugh at something or you know like he'll it's like he can look and like sometimes he'll try to give me a kiss over the mask it's just so it's just <laughs> oh like, we oh, do buddy. mask kiss all the time it's so weird yeah oh. it's weird to bring them up in this 
this day and time where this is absolutely normal to them, you know, because, I mean, they were so little when all this started. So, yeah. I know. It's like, yeah, they don't even skip a beat. Okay, I have to tell you this. This is a Montessori school thing that is just too cute. So I went, yes, last week um, when I went to pick him up and I stayed after to chat with one of the teachers for just a second. and, And she said, yeah, you know, he does great. He has a really great time. She goes, but he really does know the routine. He knows when the day's ending because he knows that after he eats lunch, you come and get him. So he hurries through his lunch. Like he, she said, he eats super fast. And then he tries to start closing up his little bento lunch box and like starts <laughs> trying to like walk it over to the cubbies to put it away because he thinks if he eats faster, I'll come sooner. I was like, that is oh. adorable. That's so sweet. Aww, I know. It's just one of those like little things. Yeah. Those are just like the cutest little speaking of mama moments when you're like that is so cute and you're like all emotional about it i remember we um went to a parent teacher conference which is i mean i it's kind of fun to be like okay how's he doing but at the same time saying it's a parent teacher conference for a 20 month old it feels a little silly and the fact that it made school canceled for that day so you yeah well and they were also like (laughs) they were also like me and my husband were both gonna go because we just thought it would be nice you know we both went to open house we both wanted to hear how he's doing but then they were also like don't bring your child so i'm like so i don't have child care and i'm not allowed to bring my child (laughs) okay that's helpful but oh that's true that's actually a really good point yeah yeah, it was kind of like what am I supposed to do here? Because you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, of course your husband would want to go. Like, he would probably have loved it. But then, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> he was yeah. it, and, and it wasn't like you can't come because of COVID. It was you can't come because we don't want you to bring your child. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was weird. But they were saying... Um, that for most kids like at lunchtime they'll be like okay let's do lunch and then mama comes to get you and for most kids that's comforting and it makes them excited but they were like we've learned we cannot say the word mama around owen or it just becomes immediate tears and wanting to go home and he runs to the door and tries to open the door so they were like for most people that are most kiddos that's like a happy thing and for him it's like panic button so we, yeah. we don't say mama <laughs> there's no mama mama is not no. spoken about here no so anyway, oh that's so cute. cute so anywho a few little daycare day school updates whatever you want to call it yep well so what are we getting into tonight well i say i'm gonna go ahead and throw out just um a little trigger warning because we are going to talk about a more serious topic tonight we're going to delve into miscarriage so this month of october is actually was it national infant and pregnancy loss month i believe so infant loss month if i word that properly um and so yeah we wanted to kind of delve into that in honor of the month and yeah, it may be a little triggering for some if you're just not in a place where you're ready to hear about it or you've gone through one and you're not ready to, um, you know, hear it discussed, then that's totally okay. This is an episode you can press skip on and wait until you're at a better place to hear it or, you know, never. That's an option too, always. So, yep, exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's our topic of the day. So, well, let's get going. So um, before, before I guess you got pregnant, did you personally know anybody who had uh, had a miscarriage? I did, actually, yes. Two close girlfriends. One was uh, a first trimester loss, and the other uh, really close friend was a second trimester loss. So yeah. I was very much on you know, the, I would say the outside of it, they're, they're very good friends, but having never gone through pregnancy or motherhood yet, it's so funny when I imagine now how I think that I would feel 
I, I would say even even more of like an emotional connection to like how could I support this friend at this time because I think now having been through pregnancy and having Emerson, however at the time I still tried to show support in, in the ways that the ways that I could you know verbally you know communicatively sending flowers um, etc. But in in the case of both girlfriends, especially the girlfriend who had her loss in the second trimester, um, it was just um, uh, truly unimaginable. So that that definitely was something um, right up front uh, for me during even prior to conceiving or or even thinking about conceiving what about for you yeah i can't say that i actually personally well what's funny is i did not at the time know anybody that had had a miscarriage not anybody that was close to me at least um but it was funny you know later down the road i actually had several people open up to me um including some relatives some close relatives my mother-in-law sister-in-law that had told me that they had had miscarriages and it was just so interesting to me because you know at the moment i in that time i didn't know anybody but um it was definitely a little bit of an example of how people just also don't talk about it very much so which is obviously something we're going to dive into today but yeah so before going into pregnancy it wasn't obviously I knew it happened but I definitely didn't know it happened as often as it did and I'll say being in our um, online group that we met I definitely did see some people go through it in that group Um, so that was probably the closest just that I I saw it and, and heard about people's experience so so yeah, um, so for you, I guess, did having been a, you know around a couple of close people that had had miscarriages, did you have any of those initial fears while trying to conceive or when you first found out you were pregnant? You know, I actually really didn't. And it's it's interesting because I cannot exactly tell you why. Like, why was I not more fearful? Um, I remember looking, there's like a website, I think that's like, it helps you determine your percentage chance of miscarriage just based yes. on. Oh my God. I use that site so much. Yes. Cause I, I, and I would look at it because I was kind of, I guess, curious, right? Like I, I, I mean, I was like, I just want to know, like, I like to watch the odds go down, but you know, I think one thing is that my husband being a doctor, he often sees the worst of the worst all the time. And so he's the one that really reminds me that no matter what, like the odds truly are always in our favor, no matter what it is. He used this logic when we were sick with COVID. He used this logic when at 35 weeks, I had severe stomach pain, had to be be taken to the ER. They're worried it was appendicitis, 35 weeks pregnant, um, and then ended up being just muscular skeletal. But he still used that logic even then, like, you know, the the, the odds are in our favor that it's not appendicitis, but we're going to check it out, et cetera. So I think that in a way, I just kind of adopted a bit of that mentality where I think I just said to myself, you know, um, I'm just going to be positive about it. I'm going to hope for the best. I mean, I still, of course, thought about it and was a little worried, but it didn't consume my days. I definitely did have a lot of nerves, I guess, about it, which is funny because I really didn't have any personal experience. Um, I think, though, that's just generally my personality. I, I might lean towards the I I like to call myself a realist but often maybe a pessimist so (laughs) I could say that yeah I did actually have kind of quite a bit of of nerves I guess I'm I like to prepare for the worst in as in almost just like I don't want to get my hopes up I'd rather be disappoint or be you know pleasantly surprised than be like disappointed so I definitely did have it on my mind and I think some of it so just a difference probably for both of us I'm assuming you did this um in going through infertility treatment is they do beta tests and so that is when um I went in for testing for blood testing right around when I would have missed my period you get a number 
And then they bring you back in 48 hours later and they want to make sure that number doubles. So I think even just from that beginning, like you're almost constantly like, I don't, it's just a different way to, to, you know, than just peeing on a stick and then waiting for your nine week doctor's appointment or something, Mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of like a heightened look to it already. And I think with all that extra testing and numbers and stuff, it just made me maybe a little more anxious than, you know, I would have been otherwise. So. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, because you have all that information. I mean, in a way, it's kind of comforting, like, because you, you, it it isn't just the peeing on the stick, right? You actually have numbers to go for and et cetera. But, but you're right. It kind of does add to the fact that it's, it's very much in your face exactly what's going on when it's going on. Yep, totally. So. So I think a topic we also just wanted to discuss is, you know, the, the idea that most women aren't supposed to. I I would almost say, you know, share their pregnancy news until they are past that first trimester. And that's definitely kind of an interesting, you know, societal norm. So I guess for you personally, did you share? When did you decide to share? What was kind of some of your your thoughts around that? So we shared um, right around with like close family around the seven week mark. um, Because I that was when I was able to get the ultrasound with the heartbeat. And then we shared more openly with friends, um, I would say, like, kind of right around 12 weeks. And then my husband said he didn't really talk about it much at work, though, until we had the 20-week ultrasound. Because for him, he feels like the 20-week ultrasound is when you can have much more significant confidence that everything is going to be okay. So that so was kind of interesting Because statistically, isn't it normally around 12 weeks? Like, it's much, much less likely for something to go wrong. I know. I think there was something for him about seeing on the ultrasound because the ultrasound, you know, at the 20 week, they do the full anatomy scan. So, mm-hmm. you know, they see the four yeah. chambers of the heart, they see all the functioning organs, they see all of that. And so I think for him, it was, there was just something, you know, I don't know, seeing it all in yeah. one kind of like kit and caboodle there, you know, on the ultrasound. All machine, the pieces were there and in their proper the place and functioning yeah. as they should and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting, though, you know, I mean, I, I've had friends like say, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm newly pregnant. When do you think I should, I should share the news or whatever? And I've always said, oh, well, you should probably wait, you know, wait until like the 12 weeks or at least. So the first why trimesters. is that, though? Yes, exactly. Like, no, why? So I mean, right. why? I get it, though. So but so I guess, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing to really think through. Because to me, it's about what is the shame of having a miscarriage before that that like or you know why why do you need to suffer it to me i guess the issue comes to so people don't tell anybody and they suffer in silence if they do or you know it's almost this embarrassment of i've heard women say well it's just embarrassing that i told everybody i was pregnant and then i had to tell them now i'm not you know that absolutely should not be an embarrassment or something to be shameful of. It's a loss, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I do think that's a really, I don't know. It's a, it's something I don't like. And now that being said, I still did not want to share early either. So I don't know. I kind of find it an interesting topic. You're right. It is, it is very interesting because I think, so if someone asked me like, why'd you wait, you know, at least seven weeks for family and then even longer for friends, I would say, because if something had happened and I had lost the pregnancy, I would not want to have to explain that to so many people, people that were otherwise so excited and, you know, rooting for us and and getting really, you know, looking forward to hearing every aspect of it. And then to have to then turn around and say, I think my fear was that 
I would have shared with somebody or shared with people and they wouldn't check in necessarily every single day. I mean, you know, how often do you talk to all your Mm -hmm. friends and people would find out and then, then imagine there is a loss and then you have friends like, so how's the baby or how are you feeling? And like, you're, oh yeah, by the way, you didn't hear. It's almost like I would feel like what I have to, you know, send out an email. Like, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it totally makes sense. And I think it's just, it is that fear of having a loss and then, yeah, it's an extra emotional toll than to go back to all these people and tell them that, like, you know, tell them about, you know, what you went through and, and the upset around it and the disappointment and the sadness. And so I, I both totally understand not wanting to do that. But, um, you know, at the same time, I think there is a lot of suffering in silence or it just not being ever spoken about. So people don't know that it happened to be supportive for you necessarily I guess um and, and other women don't necessarily know that's what I meant it's like I later found out so many women I knew had had miscarriages but nobody talked about it because it was like well it was first trimester and you know even if it was a really painful experience for them they were just like yeah it's just not really something other people are comfortable hearing about mm-hmm. and I, I think that is the part that I I hope gets changed, you know, along the way and in just by being more open about it, you know, on our podcast and as a platform for other, you know, ladies to talk about having gone through similar because, um, yeah, it's just not something that should be, I guess, felt ashamed of. And I, it, and to me, it even goes back to the, the name of it, miscarry. Mm-hmm. Like just saying that it sounds like you miscarried the baby, you know, mm-hmm. like you did something wrong in the carrying of your child. So you know, anyway, that's just my high horse about it a little bit. But I, again, it's a totally personal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't think that m- mom should be feel like it's not something that if it's helpful for them to share and talk about mm-hmm. that they sh- feel like they can't, if that makes any sense. You're right. I, I think that there, that there are just so many aspects of the whole like road to motherhood that it feels like there are things like contradictory feelings that we feel like we can't express. So for example, I remember during my first trimester when I was super, super nauseous and felt horrible and bloated all of the time. I remember crying in my, in my counselor's office saying like, I wanted so badly to be pregnant and now I am and I hate it. Like I am not mm-hmm. enjoying this. I, I feel awful. I feel sick all the time. I'm emotional. Like I was, I really had a rough first trimester, like super rough. And, and then I felt guilty because people would ask like, oh my gosh, like you must be so excited or, you know, like any of those kinds of things, especially towards the tail end when I was still sick, you know, weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, still feeling horrible after it was, the news was out, you know, that I had already shared that I was pregnant, but I felt like I had to almost put on a good face. Like, oh yes, yes. So grateful. So blessed, you know, but really I'm like Mm -hmm. thinking, can I not be grateful, blessed, and feel like absolute crap? You know? Yeah, totally. Well, so, it's the same as early motherhood that we talk about of, you know, yes. all you're allowed to do is smile and say, yeah, we're so, you know, we're so blessed. We're so happy. Our little bundle of joy. I haven't slept more than 30 minutes in three months, but it's fantastic. Exactly. So, it's almost yeah. like, yeah, if, if, if the conversation can be normalized a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with keeping it with close friends. Like, you know, if, no. for example, I think two it's people totally are trying. Personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you're trying to have a baby, it's probably not something you're going to like write an Instagram post about, but to share with a few girlfriends. And then I think that that vulnerability and that sharing uh, also allows then those friends kind of to be vulnerable back. Like I feel like the more we share and the more we 
open up, then the more we get back. Well, I think the interesting thing, though, and I think some of that is still that, like, more than anything, female judgment to each other is like I knew a girl recently that did announce on Instagram that she was six weeks pregnant and I had multiple mutual friends go oh my god why would she announce that and to me why are you shaming her for like if she's excited and wants to announce it that there's nothing wrong with that either like Mm -hmm. it's not I don't think inappropriate to share your pregnancy in an early stage if you're comfortable with that if you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with you know if it does not work out you know sharing that information as well so I think it's just again as always kind of a really personal choice and just everybody respecting what works best for them. So for me, this topic is personal in so much as I have a few close friends who have gone through miscarriage, but it has not touched me specifically and personally. But I know that for you, Emma, it is very personal. And this was when we were first getting to know each other, this was you know, a very big part of your life. And I only really got to know you and became so close to you, like with Owen in your life. So it was interesting for me, like, as we just, you know, we're sharing more about, you know, each other and and our lives when you did tell me this, because I felt like all of a sudden I had this window into, you know, another pregnancy that you had and another experience you had with your husband and, and, and as a family and, and, you know, for a brief moment of time, a family of three before Owen. And so, um, so would you mind sharing just a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we had been trying for, I mean, quite a while to get pregnant, but I think we had gone through at that stage, like three failed Clomid from our cycles and a couple of injectable cycles. And I remember it was so funny that the cycle that I got pregnant from with my first pregnancy, I was so sure I wasn't pregnant. I felt cramps, all the things. I had never seen a positive pregnancy test. So I was very negative about it so much so that I might've had a glass of wine the night before I peed on a stick and it was positive for the first time oops um but anyway I yeah I woke up and just had this little interesting feeling and I was like I'm just gonna go rule it out mainly so I could just go have fun this weekend and do whatever and yep went to the bathroom in the morning and it was positive and I scared the crap out of my husband by screaming bloody murder and you know throwing a pee stick in his face and yeah we were pregnant and it was so exciting I mean he cried I cried you know and we really thought this was it I think maybe I don't know if it was naively there was a bit of while I had a lot of question in my head about miscarriage and as I said I like to prepare myself for the worst case scenario but there was also quite frankly this sounds kind of like I don't know selfish or something but I felt like we had put in our time we had gone through our difficulties like the difficulty was getting pregnant and there we couldn't possibly have something bad happen at this point so mm-hmm. you know we we did the beta test which is i mentioned earlier and they doubled as they should the first test was a little low but still in the normal range and the next one like tripled so there was really no concern there and so they set up an appointment for our six weeks um it was like six and a half weeks which you know was around the time you should see a heartbeat so we were super nervous going into that appointment as I think everybody would, but, and this was with our reproductive endocrinologist, which we would have done just that ultrasound with them. Once I see a baby's heartbeat, they refer you to the OBGYN. So we were honestly pretty stoked to be done with our RE who wasn't um, our favorite human being in the world. So we went into that appointment. They did, you know, the hundredth vaginal ultrasound that I had had over the course of all the treatment. 
And, you know, I could just tell by the vibe in the room. He got quiet. There was no, like, flipping the screen around, you know. And, you know, he was kind of looking around. And then finally he paused. And he goes, okay. And he flipped it around. And he showed us. And there was a sack. And there was the fetal pole. And you could see everything. So there was something there. But it was definitely a little behind where he thought it should be. And there was no heartbeat. And his feeling on it was, okay, there is something here. We could just be a little behind. But when you do fertility treatment, like, you know, the date of conception, there's no doubt. It's not like if you went in otherwise, where you're like, well, maybe our timing was off a week or ovulated late, like none of that was an option. So we ran blood tests, my HCG numbers were still going up. So he basically said, "Mm, let's give it three, four days, come back in, we should see a heartbeat at that point. So, you know, we went home and we were very unsure how to feel at that point. Um, You know, we, we tried to stay on the side of really hopeful. And it was hard because I mean, from the second I found out I was pregnant, you know, we estimated the due date. And we looked at the calendar to see when we could go home and tell our families. And it fell, 12 weeks fell right at Easter, I remember. And we had planned how we were going to surprise them with an Easter egg hunt. And this whole little, like, you know, we planned out the whole thing. And so, you know, I, I know that a first trimester miscarriage is not, for me, not the same as, like, losing an actual baby. But I just say that because... You know, from the second we found out we were, we were going to have a kiddo, we envisioned what that life would be. And so it was definitely really hard to, you know, realize that may not be the case. So we went back to see the RE um, four days later, and there had been progression. He could see more, but there was still no heartbeat. And the HCG numbers were still going up, but they had slowed down. And so Mm. at that point, he just said, I don't believe this is a viable pregnancy. Um, And, you know, these are your options. And he gave us the option of waiting to see if we naturally miscarried to they can give you some medication to um, kind of induce a miscarriage. Or you could do um, what's called a DNC, which is, I mean, it's it's basically the abortion procedure, but with a non-viable pregnancy. Mm. So... Um, in, in a little backstory, our doctor suggested we do the DNC because I was diagnosed with a little bit of a heart-shaped uterus while we were going through the conception process. And the issue with that is it can lead to miscarriages. And mm-hmm. so he really wanted to get the tissue from doing a DNC and be able to test because they could see if it was... A miscarriage because there was abnormalities, you know, chromosomal abnormalities, meaning it was never going to fully develop. Um, Or if it was a healthy, you know, fetus and it miscarried because something on my end. So, you know, that's what he suggested. And we scheduled it for about a week later. And I won't lie, that appointment was really, really hard. My husband, um, who had been the cool, calm and collected one this entire time broke down you know we had to just like take some extra time in the doctor's office to frankly sit there and just cry and be really disappointed and upset and you know then we just kind of had a week to sit with it and that was hard too because you're walking around trying to act all normal and I'll say at that point we hadn't told anybody 
um, we had decided not to tell anybody until um, we at least saw a heartbeat, but we kind of wanted to wait until around 12 weeks. So it was hard because nobody knew and life was going on as normal. And yet, you know, I'm walking around still yeah, pregnant, you, the, you're but not, not really a procedure yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a week and, you know, we took that week to really just feel all the feelings. And so by the time we showed up to do the procedure, you know, we, we had gotten ourselves together, um, you know, and we're at least just prepared and, and kind of at that stage just wanted to be able to like get it done and move on. Um, and so we showed up to the appointment. They make you like fast. It wasn't until noon. So I showed up, you know, frankly, super, you know, emotionally spent, starving and cranky. And so they make you do just an ultrasound, you know, right beforehand um, to just check the positioning of everything he wanted to get a scope. And so we went in and he did the, started the ultrasound. And all of a sudden he just scooted his chair back, looked at the nurse and he goes, oh crap. And I was like, oh crap. Like what could possibly be wrong now? You know, it was like, you already told me, you know, the the baby's not going to make it. So what could there possibly be? He flips the screen around and he goes, your baby has a heartbeat. (gasps) And we said, what? You know, and I didn't know how to react. To be honest, my reaction was, oh my God, it's a miracle. You know, like this is a viable pregnancy. Everything's going to be fine. Needless to say, that was shocking. He basically said, I still don't think this is a viable pregnancy. Let's get some blood work. The baby is still behind. But it, and, and this was the thing that made us never want to go back to Ari again. And, and I quote, mm. he goes, your baby has a heartbeat. It won't last for long, but I'm not a baby killer. So I won't do this procedure today. Oh, heavens. And he said he'd actually never had it happen before that you know, somebody showed up the day of the procedure and something like that had happened. And so he just said, we kind of just got to wait it out. Let's reschedule the procedure for a week because I still don't think that, like, I still think the, it, it's all falling too far behind. And that means there's some sort of chromosomal abnormality, mm. but he did more blood work. And then the blood work though still showed HG, HCG numbers kind of steadily rising. So it was just kind of awful. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, like, we didn't know what to think. The doctor was telling us one thing, you know, the numbers were kind of saying something that didn't necessarily mesh with what he was saying. Um, and so we were a mess and all we could do was sit and wait and, you know, keep scheduling these ultrasounds and keep kind of waiting to see what happened. And yeah, so we scheduled an appointment a week later and he was planning on still doing the procedure, assuming that you know, there was no longer a heartbeat, which was what he anticipated happening. But it was really hard because we couldn't help but hold out hope. You know, he had been wrong once before. So why not be wrong? And at that point, um, I was a little over eight weeks um, at that point. And so we waited another seven days. And at day six, I started bleeding. And mm-hmm. I was actually at work. And I just went to the bathroom and it was not a little bit of blood. It was a lot of blood. And, you know, I, I obviously knew that, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And it was just so, I just didn't know what to do. I'm not somebody that reacts well, but I finished training my client like an hour in. I had nothing on me. I just, you know, couldn't really process it. And I went home and I called my husband and he, 
had a big meeting that day and he was in the middle and of course he was like i'll immediately come home and i'm like no you know this isn't gonna like happen all of a sudden i didn't i didn't really know what to expect you know going Mm -hmm. through a miscarriage at that stage it was uh, you know a little over eight weeks and the bleeding increased and uh, so i'm gonna be honest and share some details that are you know without getting terribly graphic but because I don't think this is stuff people talk about. You know, no, people I, go, I had I a miscarriage of eight yeah. weeks and you bleed a little. I did not bleed a little. Um, my body had some real contractions. I laid on the bathroom floor for well over an hour in serious pain, almost called an ambulance. Um, I passed massive clots and all sorts of stuff. And then finally I passed what, what I could see was the sac and the fetus. So it was awful like to see i didn't i did not have a clue that's what it would be like um my doctor did not prepare me that that's what that would be like um so i'd say i started bleeding and it lasted about four hours and um yeah and i eventually i passed most of everything and it was almost like i mean it's totally not giving birth i was not even nine weeks pregnant but you know after now having given birth obviously i know the difference but it was like this mild form of like contractions and as soon as like the sack and everything you know passed everything kind of stopped like the pain the intense pain stopped and i bled for you know, several more days, and um, we went back to the doctor. They did another ultrasound because they also have to make sure that everything, all the tissue passed. And for some women, unfortunately, that can be the negative with going the, like, naturally miscarrying route is that a lot of times all the tissue does not pass, and they have to do the DNC mm-hmm. procedure anyway. Thankfully, um, we did not. Um, all the tissue passed, and I didn't have to go through that. But... Yeah, it was, it was super rough for us. And just, you know, as I said, it was from the first time we went to the ultrasound, it was a good two and a half weeks of really kind of living in limbo and not knowing what was going on. And there was nobody that knew, you know, and I took like one day off work and just jumped back into work and yeah, just kind of acted like nothing was wrong. And in all truth, we were a big mess. And yeah, so it was... Although it was just a first trimester miscarriage, it was definitely, um, yeah, something that really changed us. Yeah, I think that your story is really so unique in, in so much as you went back and there was the heartbeat and then you were like sent back home again, you know, mm-hmm. yep. and, and had that additional time. And, you know, and I think that like having gone through a pregnancy, the, the one aspect of this that I can that I can say I can relate to is the time how every week and every day like truly can often feel like it's standing still. Mm-hmm. And so for you to imagine that feeling of time standing still for literally like three entire weeks, right? Yep. From six to nine weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. yep, it consumes yeah. your every second of thought. And for you, it wasn't like an excited consuming. It was like worry and fear and doubt and... Yeah, yeah, it was it was a emotional roller coaster and it it brought out I don't know. I will say the only positive and I do try to, you know, see it as a positive. There's a little piece of me and everybody views miscarriage different. Every woman that goes through it sees it as a different situation. You know, for me it was our first baby. It was our first pregnancy. Um I'll always honor that and 
the positive I take out of it is that little life brought me my husband actually really, really close. Um, we're both a little bit emotionally guarded people, even at times with each other. I think we tend to be the wanting to be strong for the other person and putting on a brave face. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first times we were both just really, really emotionally raw. And I think it also though showed us how badly we wanted this. Like, I think Mm -hmm. even up to that point, like, okay, we knew we wanted to be parents, but we didn't know what being parents felt like until we had that much excitement and love and, you know, felt like a a family in those, you know, short, you know, weeks. And so it really did reinforce that this is the right thing. We really supported each other and took care of each other. Um, You know, a way we personally grieved. We actually wrote, each wrote a note to, to that baby. And we went and got a tree and we planted the notes um, in the soil and and planted the tree and it's in our backyard. And it was something that just felt special to us. uh, Just, you know, honor, as I said, kind of honoring that and, you know, something, something I won't forget. And for me personally, I do kind of look at it as, you know, I don't know. I'm not even one of those everything happens for a reason, but it's kind of the best I could get out of the situation was, as Mm -hmm. I said, it brought me and my husband closer together. And you know what? Now that I have Owen, I I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, had that not happened, I wouldn't have Owen. And, you know, he's the best. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but that was with me ultimately having a, a positive outcome. I was able to get pregnant again. So we waited a month. Our doctor actually told us to wait three months and I had a hissy fit meltdown and said no thank you um Nicola's book no period now what actually showed a lot of research that showed there was no need to wait three months and that actually sometimes people conceived um more easily during that first couple of months post miscarriage so I really pushed for it and he ultimately threw his hands up and I think said you crazy lady you can do whatever you want to do whatever (laughs) and um so we went through one cycle afterwards that um we did not get pregnant and then we conceived two cycle later and you know stayed pregnant and I will say the hardest thing I think the second pregnancy was I did not enjoy one iota of that first trimester because I just every doctor's appointment it felt felt like we could not be happy we Mm. did not celebrate things even when I got the positive test I mean there really was not much enthusiasm it was kind of like eh, I'll believe it when I see it was kind of the Mm -hmm. attitude and I do think and I think I'll feel the same way going into trying to get pregnant again is that you know it does I think take some of the joy out of that time period at least for at least that was again my experience yeah yeah that was kind of kind of I guess our story well, thank you for sharing it because this yeah. is this is a story that very few women, I think, share to to an audience, and I think it's something that people do share, you know, with maybe a close friend or two, but to share it, you know, in, in this way and help other women to understand more of what it's like and the implications it can have on, you know, a mother and a marriage. I think it's I think it's really really brave at least any other women that have gone through it and have felt some of those emotions and, you know, or gone through those things and not really heard any other ladies put words to it that, you know, they can connect and just feel less alone. And I definitely did feel really alone. Um, I think that was a hard part of it for me is, as I said, I didn't know anybody at the time that had really gone through it. So I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. I, again, we hadn't told anybody and we did finally tell some family about it probably a month later because we we, honestly we just kind of went silent like we kind of didn't talk to anybody for that entire time period because we just 
didn't have anything happy to say and hadn't shared it with anybody. So eventually we did share it with family. And that's when I again found out that like, you know, several women on his side of the family had had miscarriages. I had a friend that, you know, told me that she had gone through a miscarriage and actually, you know, some similar circumstances. And that made me feel way less alone. That actually was super comforting to me to see that other women had also had a miscarriage and still went on to have healthy pregnancies. That gave me some hope. So, you know, I hope just talking about it more openly will will do the same for for others. So. Yeah, I think so. And so, and you mm-hmm. know, just to to imagine move like, you know, both of us have discussed like an interest in having a second child and would we do things differently and what would be, you know, as far as like, would we share with people sooner? You know, if, if we're, Mm -hmm. if we're able to get pregnant, would we share that news sooner or later? I think more than anything. And I feel in particularly having been inspired by your story is that I think that I would share um, my news a little more openly with like, with like a close circle, but I think that I would share it and, and share kind of, I guess some of the fears or the apprehensions or even just, you know, what I went through in that the first trimester when I was pregnant with, with Emerson being that sick and feeling that horrible with the morning sickness. Mm-hmm. I think that I would just share that, you know, and just say, you know, this is really what's going on for me. It really sucks. I'm having a rough time. And this is, you know, I, I think that I would be a little bit more confident to that, like, I can... I can share with people that understand, yes, I want to be pregnant. Yes, I, I love the child, but I can also feel, you know, these other emotions. So I think that's how it would change for me um, if I if I were to get pregnant again. Yeah, I think we will share with, you know, my close circle of people. I mean, I'll be honest, you're going to know the second I pee on a stick. So yeah, I'm just gonna say, you might know, know before, before my husband. Else. So that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, like my mom and my mother-in-law and stuff, we, we might share earlier. I, I'm a little superstitious. So I actually do tend to be one of those people that just wants to wait. I think I would wait until we saw that initial heartbeat again. And it's just my own fear of, you know, feeling like, I don't want to, and again, this is totally back to like contradicting what I said earlier, but there is some, I don't want to like let, you know, I don't want to let my mom down or just not let her down, but you know, break her heart too, I guess, uh-huh. you know, or like have her get so excited only for it not to work out. So I, I do think I would probably still wait until, um, yeah, at least we saw a heartbeat, but we didn't announce it until with, when I was pregnant with Owen until about 16 weeks gotcha. and I'd probably do the same we kept it kind of quiet um i had a lot of people that i think basically knew like a lot of my clients that saw me every day but we kind of i did not confirm anything and and nobody everybody was sweet enough to not like ask me since they had known that uh we were trying for quite a while so yeah definitely but yeah yeah i just find in general like to just be able to kind of let kind of let down some of those those taboos like when when these topics do come up you know Mm -hmm. I mean I was just at the playground the other day and ran into a woman that I used to know through um through pure bar and and you know something came up about her her past and her um her like pregnancy experiences and and then she just shared you know just really openly yeah so my husband couldn't um you know his sperm wasn't viable so we ended up using a sperm donor for for our two boys different sperm donors each one and then yeah like like literally just shared it as if she had just told me this is and how I we pick their names that, like that's me fantastic. too and because the yeah. thing is is that like even though i'm like what my, my reaction to it like i didn't blink in the sense of like she's telling me about her family but what gave me the little pause like internally was thinking wow she just shared that with just such confidence and just such like 
this is our story and this is how it happened as much as I would say, this is how we picked Emerson's name. Yeah. And I just found that really inspiring. And I think that as moms, like just to, to remember that, that we, we can also like stand in confidence with our stories, even when they're painful. And like, Mm -hmm. I just think about you, Emma, the way you just shared that story. Like it was a very painful story, a very, a very sad story. And you shared it though with, with the confidence of like, this is a story that I want other people to know about. And this is really how it happens. Like you don't just go to the doctor and then, oh, have a little blood and put a panty liner on and the next day it's gone. No, like you have an actual physical experience and like that needs to be known too. Um, So I, I just think that like, you know, made me think of that, just us in motherhood, like feeling more of that confidence to just say what it is and say what's really going on. And then the people that really matter to us they'll be there. And if they're not there, then find new friends, you know? Okay. So we just wanted to jump into, I guess, some things. I'll I'll first tackle like some things, maybe, maybe not to say to a woman that has gone through a loss. Um, I'll be honest, the like, well, some things are just meant to be, or this is not, you know, not to bash, you know, religious support, but like, you know, oh, well, this was not God's plan or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, to, to me, that was absolutely not super helpful. Things that can you that you can say that are a little bit more helpful are just you know I'm available for you. I'm here. I'm I'm thinking about you. You know, it's really just reaching out to be an open you know open arms, open ears. You know, listen. However, they they may need to share because some some women don't want to talk about it. Some women really need to be able to talk about it. True. And I think, frankly, just like making yourself available. Um, is is the best thing that you can do yeah i would agree and um i think that part of that being available though when i realized this um, especially with my really good friend who had the second trimester loss is that you know um i realized because i was trying to check in on her every day like just said i I would say something like i just want you know thinking about you or and she was she was always polite but very very quiet Mm -hmm. um and you know extremely quiet and i realized that that that's also what she needs right now she does know i'm here Mm -hmm. you know and she she's she's aware that i'm here i've i've been very clear about that and i also need to to kind of give her a little bit of that space too and realize that like right now this is not a time when she's able to say oh yeah this was a very difficult day for this reason but hey what's going on in your life you know like this needs to be having people check in like once a week or something was was super helpful and if they say no that's okay but don't just disappear either i think sometimes people like you know are kind of like oh well they're kind of radio silencing me so i'll just let them come to me and i think there's there's just like this line to walk and obviously you know your friend i think that was super not helpful was if one more person said to me well at least you know you could get pregnant that was Uh. i i know that sounds helpful but it was not helpful you know like that's great but it doesn't mean I have a baby. And just because somebody yes. can't get pregnant doesn't mean they can't go through multiple losses or still never be able to carry a baby to term. And so, you know, I, I, again, there's something that like, it sounds super innocent, but you know, I would just recommend steering clear of, of that one. You know, whenever I would say like, if a friend's opening up with you and sharing something or like even you, I'm sharing this story, 
the best thing for me is is to listen. And you and you and I've had many conversations about this over our friendship. And you know, at times I've asked you a couple things, and I've I've I think I've even prefaced it and said, "Hey, I I have a question about what you went through, but if this is not." A question you feel comfortable answering, please don't answer it. And you know you'll you know you're always really transparent. You'll say, actually, I, I will talk about that. And here's or I don't want to. Or you know I think that it's really important to let your friend know that you really are there, but you're also not trying to to push or pry. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. and I think just being there for that friend, you know, also like I know for me, we had several other friends end up pregnant right after. And, you know, it was really, that was really, of course, hard. And, but it was nice to still have those friends pop up, even though it had been a couple of months and be like, you know, are you doing okay? I'm sure that like, I saw that pregnancy announcement and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here for you still. Like it, even if like a month or two later, that person is still grieving, like, you know, just, just being there for them still. And, and it was actually also really helpful to me when we got pregnant again, you know, my friends know me well enough that they tone down the excitement, which sounds almost sad. But when I got pregnant and I did tell them a little bit earlier, they kind of chilled on the, oh my God, congrats, it's a miracle, you know, or anything like that. It was kind of like, okay, how are you doing? How do you feel about that? You know, and, and just kind of respecting the fact that I was going to be really nervous and I was not necessarily jumping for joy and, you know, all those kind of things. Like I was had a lot of fears to battle through and and they were really understanding of that. So I think, you know, if that's your friend, like just be aware of like what might serve them best and kind of take their lead a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway. Very well said. Well, I think that a little bit wraps up a little bit, not a little bit. It wraps up the topic <laughs> today. That's it a lot of it. it so uh, we've rambled yeah. on long enough. So, um, but anyway, if anybody, you know, personally, obviously ever has a question or has gone through this or just needs to chat about it, like never he hesitate to reach out, um, send us a DM. I'm happy to chat more or share anything else about my experience and also just listen to, um, yeah, anybody else's story or challenges. So exactly. Yeah. And thanks guys as always for tuning in and allowing us to discuss topics like this. It's obviously Emma and I like to have a lot of fun too and talk about baby products we like or baby sleep or you know whatnot but we also feel like it's important to discuss topics that aren't necessarily tossed around in everyday conversation and and explore them a little bit deeper and so we appreciate you joining us as well so as always guys thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys later good night bye